Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Phytonutrients refers to nutrients in the vegetables, fruits, and grains we eat. Many of these valuable nutrients are found in the peels and skins of these foods. You may have heard of some of them, for example, carotenoids, isoflavones, flavonoids, phenols. Many have naturally occurring antioxidant properties, meaning they help prevent damage to cells in our bodies. My guest is Joe Erbach, who is a master gardener, the creator and publisher of GardeningAustin.com, of the online phytonutrient blog, and numerous books on gardening, on food as medicine, and on the moringa plant. Joe has written three books on phytonutrients covering vegetables, fruits, nuts, herbs, and spices. The books provide the reader information on what varieties to plant in order to reap the most phytonutrient-rich foods. I asked Joe to begin by explaining the term phytonutrient. Phytonutrients. Basically, the word is phyto, from the Greek meaning plants, and nutrients, well, I guess from the English meaning nutrients, but it is, it's the, it's the nutrition that is in plants. And a lot of times you will see phytonutrients when we're talking about them and their properties within the plants called phytochemicals. But when we talk about the properties of those nutrients and those chemicals, once we consume the plant, then we call them phytonutrients. And basically they are full of vitamins, antioxidants, all kinds of good stuff to help you fight disease. And the concept of phytonutrient gardening is basically if I'm going to garden anyway, why not grow the most nutritious food I can? For example, not every tomato tastes the same. Not every tomato looks the same. Not every tomato is shaped exactly like its cousins. But if you look in, say, a dieting book for how many calories are in an average tomato, they're going to tell you, you know, maybe 35 calories for your average tomato, but it's not going to give you a good information about nutrition. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to find out what was the most nutritious tomato I could grow as long as I was going to garden anyway. And I learned that there are some tomatoes, for example, the Juliet hybrid tomato, ounce per ounce, has 18 times more nutrition than one of my favorite beefsteak tomatoes. That's the lycopene in that one, 18 times more lycopene. So for all of the lycopene I get in one ounce eating a Juliet tomato, I'd have to eat 18 ounces really? of a beefsteak tomato. And that got me thinking that I could really increase my nutritional intake by just changing some of the varieties of the f fruit and vegetables I was growing. And that's where I the like phytonutrient yeah. gardening concept came from. Uh, going back to the whole your whole interest in phytonutrients uh, began, I believe, because you were concerned about the quality of the produce that we normally would eat. And now, is that uh, what we would buy from the store? Or is that what we're actually growing or both? Yeah, that is both. But my biggest concern came when, after, in 2014, being diagnosed with, with diabetes, and honestly knowing I had the problem for a long time before that, but not dealing with it. Um, when I started to realize that when I went to go shopping in the grocery store, that what I needed to do was shop at the perimeter of the grocery store 
and ignore all of the processed foods that were in the center of the grocery store, I started realizing that there was a real problem. And then I realized that that's the food that most people are putting in front of their families every day. That's the food my wife and I were putting in front of our family. The processed foods. The processed foods. Right. And I started doing more and more research on that and realized that we had a problem with all of our food, not just the processed food, but the, the fruits and vegetables as well. Over the last, well, just from the end of World War II till now, many of our fruits and vegetables simply are not as nutritious as they used to be. Study after study, both government funded, independent, British government funded, have shown that the levels of uh, nutrition in general, but vitamins and specific vitamins and minerals in particular have dropped as much as 30, 40, 50% among many of our foods. And the potato, the most consumed vegetable in the United States has lost 100% of many of its vitamin and mineral wow. uh, properties that we used to rely on. So the food that we eat, the tomato, the carrot, the potato we eat today is not even as nutritious as that that our parents and grandparents ate. And when we're looking at a world that's going to be having more and more people in yes. it, that becomes a serious issue. Right. But now why is this? Why, why, what is causing these vegetables to lose? Is it the soil? Well, there, there the soil? are many, many issues that I could point at. Uh, our 20th century solution to producing more food for a growing population was to put together mega uh, farms, mega agricultural systems where we are growing single crops, monocrop cultures in these farms. And that had the tendency to deplete the soil dramatically. So then we started using uh, various artificial chemicals and fertilizers, many of which are based on petroleum waste products, which is just a horrendous thought. Um, and then we have found this kind of vicious cycle where the more you use those materials, you need to use more again to get the same results. And it's kind of a vicious circle. And what has happened in doing that has, has been a, a drop off of nutrition, but also a drop off in flavor. A lot of people think food doesn't taste as good as it used to. And many people think that's just a sign of getting old. Well, it's not. I can guarantee you it's not um, because I know from what I've grown, that food can still taste amazing. So the farming is an issue. The modern mega farming is an issue. Soil depletion is an issue. But another issue is simply that when human beings, however people want to think human beings got here, whether it was, was evolution or whether it was God that created people or maybe it was the aliens that put us here, I don't know, whatever somebody chooses to believe, when we first developed, we needed to consume about 4,000 calories, our hunter-gatherer ancestors, because they needed huge caloric intake because they didn't have cars to drive around in. Everything they were doing required a lot of yeah. you know, energy. energy. Effort. And so our brains developed to be predisposed to looking for things that were and enjoying things that were high in fat content or high in sugar content. So when our hunter-gatherer ancestors had to... Um, or not had to, but, but developed into communities and they started growing more and more of their own food, they had to save their own seed because they couldn't go to an online catalog or a store and buy seed packets, right? So they did what any other, the rest of the gardeners in the world still do, is if we're saving seeds, I save the seeds from the fruits and vegetables I like best. So 
by artificial selecting, selecting whether consciously or unconsciously for the, the tomatoes that were larger in size or the, the more starchy or the uh, potato, um, we little by little over, what has it been, 400 generations, some 2,000 years, we have bred much of the nutrition out of our food simply by artificial selection, choosing for what we had, because none of the fruits and vegetables you find in the grocery store today look like what their ancient ancestors looked like yeah. you know, 2,000 years ago. And it was not an intentional thing, but what modern science has now found out is that many of the um, health-giving antioxidants and phytonutrients that we need in our food on their own actually have a bitter or astringent taste. And you can prove that human beings don't like that. Just simply give a, a, a lemon to an infant to suck on and you'll see right away that yeah. <laughs> we don't like that bitter or astringent taste. So unconsciously, by choosing foods that were less bitter, we have bred the nutrition right out of much of our food. And there are other incidents of it too. For example, you buy a head of, well, first of all, the least nutritious lettuce you can possibly eat is iceberg lettuce. Right. But if you ask most Americans, many Americans have only ever eaten iceberg lettuce. Now that's changing what with the convenience of pre-cut, pre-washed, pre-packaged mixes, which is a good thing, I suppose. But we would get that head of lettuce, and if you cut it open, it's very white inside. That's because it's a very, very tight head, and the, the phytonutrients or the phytochemicals within that lettuce that protect it from the sun are also what made the outer leaves bright green, but that's where the nutrition is. So we would buy that head of lettuce, we take it home, and what's the first thing we do? We strip off those, those yeah. vitamin-rich leaves and get rid of them, and we eat the, the stuff that's not as good. You're listening to Mothering Earth. My guest is Joe Urbach, uh, a master gardener, author of several books on phytonutrient gardening, and that's what we're talking about today. So I understand that there are literally thousands of different phytonutrients, but there seem to be a few of them that everybody uh, has sort of picked as, I don't know, more, more important perhaps, Car carotenoids, flavonoids, res... Reversitrol. It's, these are hard to, you butcher the names of them, I do all the time. Uh, phytoestrogens. So talk about some of these. What, what are they and what are they going to do for us? Well, Why a lot we of the things... You know, you mentioned them, like carotenoids, for example, a lot of that, we're talking about the various vitamins that we know better as vitamins A, vitamin B, one through whatever, and so forth. Now, individual compounds, there have now been more than 100,000 different individual components of different types of phytonutrients found in the foods. Um, and they all play, play different thing, play different roles in different combinations. So you could say, for example, that... Um, Red wine, for example, has a lot of the resveratrol, however you pronounce it, I can never get it right, and it's good for your heart. But there's a lot of other compounds in there to, as well, and they all work rather synergistically together. And so you can't really separate that out. And that's why in the, the multivitamin industry, you're not seeing vitamins like complete multivitamin plus phytonutrients. Yeah. You don't see that advertising because there's too many, and we don't know the combinations. We don't know how they're going to work together, and, and you can't artificially breed certain genes into these plants and know how it's going to work in combination with others. Yeah. You know, on a smaller scale, we see that where 
people have to be careful what medications are prescribed, how they interact with each other. Well, the same thing happens on a smaller degree with these foods. I'm Salwa Khan. You're listening to Mothering Earth, and my guest today is Joe Urbach, master gardener and author of several books on phytonutrient gardening. We've been talking about phytonutrient gardening, and right now it's time for a break. We're back now. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm your host, Salwa Khan, and my guest is Joe Urbach, who is the author of three books on phytonutrient gardening that covers plants with antioxidant properties that you can grow, including vegetables, fruits, nuts, herbs, and spices. Let's talk about the nutritional levels of the foods you buy at your local grocery store. I was wondering whether there was any difference between organic and other produce. Yes, we have to understand that the fruits and vegetables we have today, while they're not as nutritious as what they, as my granddad would say, as they used to were, um, they are still our best source of vitamins and minerals, the best source we have. Of course, I encourage everybody to grow their own because that's even better. But yes, when you go to the grocery store, you are getting it. Lots of good vitamins. The biggest difference between the organic and the inorganic or traditional people want to call it, although I think organic is actually more traditional than what we refer to as traditional. Um, the, diff- the big difference there is you're, you're eliminating uh, a lot of the carcinogens that are found in the pesticides and, and things of that nature. And while I believe that is extremely important, if the only option people have is to get produce that's not considered organic, then still eat the eat the produce. But I, even with some of our organic things, I have a real problem. Think about this, you go into the grocery store and usually they have organics separated from non-organic, right? But no matter where you go, you reach in to get the food and no, I don't care what time of the day you go, you reach in to get something, those misters are gonna come on. And as soon as they come on, that is city water, that's fluorinated, that's chlorinated, that's processed, and those fruits and vegetables are still alive, even the organics are still absorbing that. So that's why I like to grow as much of my own as I possibly can. Yeah. But, but I do encourage people, support the organic industry, support or using the organic or eating the organic produce when you can. Um, and I think in the long term, more and more people are finding it's not that much more expensive right. when you get it the is. benefits of what yeah. you, you get from it. I guess what you could do is reach under the lettuce and get the stuff that hasn't been sprayed as much. Something. That's a, I, it just dawned <laughs> I on me the one day when I was at the grocery store that, you know what, that's city water coming yeah, out there. That's a good point. I never thought about that. So getting back to growing our own fresh vegetables or even fruits and nuts, perhaps, um, what, you know, you, you began by talking about finding those particular types of plant or particular uh, varieties of plants yes. that have the most nutrition. How am I going to find out about that? Where do I, where do I get that? Well, it's a secret that I'm not going to tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, actually, in 
my book, Phytonutrient Gardening. Uh, book one is vegetables. Book two is, is fruits. Um, book three is seeds, nuts, anything else, um, herbs. The, um, there's a list. But also, if you go to my website at gardeningaustin.com, there is a list absolutely free of the best varieties, the most nutritious varieties uh, that I have found in my research. And I continually update that list because research is being done. I, I can't even count how many different research projects are going on. It's tons. And we're learning new stuff all the time. Um, and we're learning things about substances we didn't know about. We, we've always known about Oh, lycopene, for example, we talked about in tomatoes. Well, it turns out one of the best sources for lycopene is watermelon, and who doesn't want to eat some watermelon? You know, so the more we learn, the more we find out. And now we find out there's different types of lycopene. There are orange tomatoes, um, Rudger's orange tomato, which actually has a different type of lycopene that the human body can absorb much more readily than the, the red lycopene that's found in the red tomatoes. And Another thing I should point out when it comes to the phytonutrients is that eating the fresh fruits and vegetables is not always the best way to get it. Because um, I know a lot of people are, are really big on a raw foods diet, and I don't knock anybody for, for any of that. That's, that's great. But if you want to know where the very best source of lycopene, for example, since we we're talking about that, is in your grocery store, it's in tomato paste. It's in the cooked yeah. tomato paste. Sort of concentrated. Because the, the cooking, the heating process of the cooking actually, uh, not only does it concentrate the, yeah. the lycopene, but it, it converts it into a form that the human body can much more readily absorb and process and use. Wow. Well, um, what if we have no land or space to grow our own vegetables? What's our next well, best option? Yeah, I always tell people, look, you've got, you got a pot that you can put a a tomato plant in or something, but I do understand. Um, and, and then, you know, our, our best option then is to look for things like, I love to encourage people to shop at uh, farmer's markets or local places that sell local produce. There's a, a place in Kyle I like a lot that I go to. And you can, you can find uh, those individual growers that have the stalls there at the farmer's markets that you can get to know and talk with them a bit more about their stuff and find out how they're growing. It doesn't meet with your you know, with, with your needs and what your desires are. But then, you know, I would shop at, at uh, almost any of our major grocery store chains are carrying good organic produce. And there have been some studies trying to determine, is it better to shop at a, a store specifically known for carrying more organic product versus the organic that's found in say an HEB right. or a Walmart store. And they're finding that there is not a difference. If you're going to the, get the organic, you can get it just fine at almost any grocery store now. And that would be the next step I would go. One thing that I uh, noticed on your website uh, where you had a list of, of some videos, I guess, that you had done, uh, where you talked about vitamin waters. Mm -hmm. I'm in the process of trying to put it. We, get, we have a YouTube, YouTube channel uh -huh. where we have some videos on there. And I'm, I'm very busy, um, which is fabulous, except I don't get as much time to be in the garden as I would like to be. But um, I'm trying to get together a, a large number of videos on all of the different topics that I cover in my books and so forth. And I, I have quite a few of them right now on YouTube. And one of them I did specifically is on vitamin water because vitamin water drives me crazy. It is some of the most horrible stuff you can drink. 
It is, yes, they've infused vitamins in it, along with loads of sugar you don't need, loads of all kinds of processed ingredients you don't need. And I was shocked to find that some of these vitamin waters that are out there, not that particular brand, but mm -hmm. some of them actually use things like high fructose corn syrup as a sweetener. And it's, uh, it is really a, a big, big scam just to be able to charge more for colored water. Any other things about phytonutrients that we should know? Well, yeah, there are a number of things. Um, I mean, I could go on forever. I've written three books on the phytonutrients. Uh, like I said, the first one's uh, on vegetables. Second one is fruits and nuts. Third one is herbs and spices. And everything we use to eat, everything we cook with, all of the herbs and spices, everything has these phytochemicals in them so that they're all a degree of phytonutrients for us. But much like when you are um, trying to treat your own illnesses or disease or things like that through herbs mm -hmm. and um, that type of rather than that type of medication rather than say going to the store and all it's better that you do it on a consistent basis because it's while it's possible when you get a cold to start pumping in that vitamin c and you know much like when you're talking about um, medicating with the herbs and so forth it's better if your body has a naturally occurring higher levels and and so forth so I guess what I'm getting at is eat, how to best phrase it. What I like to try to do is to consistently eat a diet that I know I'm consuming vegetables that are very, very high in the phytonutrients. Eat those specific varieties that are very, very high because it is more, more than almost any other determining factor for the amount of uh, phytonutrients in a particular vegetable. It's the variety that matters much more so than just about any other factor. So eat a variety. Eat the varieties that are high in phytonutrient content and eat a variety of different vegetables containing the different types of phytonutrients. And, and I guess what you're saying is it's, it, it should be something that you do all the time, not only when you're sick, suddenly you right. go and start Right. Don't, you know, I know a lot of people that, that they get sick and they want to go out and get some orange juice and get that vitamin C, but you can get a lot more vitamin C if you're using your regular diet to keep yourself regularly at a, at a higher level. There are many people who don't grow their own food and may not even do much cooking. They may be getting convenience foods or eating fast food. Do you have any advice for people who don't seem to have the time? to pay attention to the quality of the food they eat. Look, I, I was right there, okay? I remember I'd, I'd close my store. I had a used furniture store for a, for a long time. I would, I would close the store and I would be on my way home and I'd make that stop at the drive-through at some restaurant somewhere and eat food that probably contained more calories than I needed to consume in a day just on my drive home. Then I'd get home and have dinner, you know, it, ridiculous. Um, one of the things that I have found is the vast majority of people that I have spoken with who are in that boat where they don't do a lot, um, I encourage them to do just a little bit. Once you get somebody doing just a little bit, and a good example for that would be a neighbor of mine who um, is single, and he had, I'd go over there to watch a football game, and he had the typical bachelors, you know, he had frozen pizzas and you know, you could see evidence of whatever he was eating from the fast food bags that were, mm -hmm. were, were littered around. But one of the things that he was extremely fond of 
was those soups, those cup of soup things that are in that foam thing. And I guess because, you know, a single guy, that's a real quick, easy thing to do. Um, and those things are horrible for you as far as uh, the sodium content and things like that. But what I did is I said, Mike, let's chop up some fresh fruits and vegetables, fresh vegetables, and let's let's add it to this when we yeah. make this. And we started doing that and and got him hooked on that. And then he started saying, oh, man, a salad would be good with, you know, we put a salad. Together. And now he cooks most all of his own meals. So if you just take little steps, yeah. little changes, little by little, convince yourself to to not hit that drive through, you know, instead of st spending that ten dollars, twelve dollars at the drive through. Go to the grocery store, buy some nice fresh vegetables, you know, um, little steps. Yeah. You will get there. One foot in front of the other. Check out Joe Urbach's books about phytonutrient gardening on Amazon. There's also a lot of information online, including some scientific studies. Please tell your friends and family about Mothering Earth. For now, thanks so much for listening. I hope to see you back next time on Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news.